William Shedd wrote, A ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what ships are for. In the late 1980s, Nancy and I took a trip to Boston to visit some friends and while we were there to see some of the sights. And we went around and we saw some of the historical things around town. And we also went to the USS Constitution. It was uh, an old ship named by George Washington himself, one of the first war frigates that was built, uh, one of three. And it is docked there at the harbors in Boston. Quite a Quite an expression of floating American history restored fully to its condition that it would have been back in the War of 1812. Now, as impressive as this ship was, the builders never built it to be docked at harbor. They built it as a ship of war. Every once in a while, matter of fact, once a year, it goes on a, uh, an annual turnaround cruise. And there's this big lottery drawing to see who can go on that. And they get out and they sail it out into the harbor and they put the sails up and it's, it's quite a big thing. But then it comes back and it's docked there once again where it remains for the rest of the year. That's not what ships were designed for, just to sit in the dock. Now, ships were designed and made for a purpose and so were you. You were designed by God and made for a purpose by God. Now, you can imagine the thrill that it must have been when in the War of 1812, the USS Constitution goes out and it performs admirably, so much so that it gained the nickname Old Ironsides. Now, that's not a nickname you'd want for your wife, but for a ship of war to see cannonballs bouncing off it and to be named Old Ironsides, that's just a pretty good thing. So you can imagine the joy and the pride of those who designed it and built it when they heard of the exploits of the USS Constitution. Now, let's translate that over. Remember, you were designed and you were made by God for a purpose. Imagine the joy in the heart of God when He finds you at the center of His will doing what you were designed and called to do. Fulfilling your purpose as a child of God. God designed you. God made you. He called you. He gave you purpose. You are called to live out that purpose. The Bible says this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now I want you to notice something there. It doesn't say that you are to work for your salvation. That is not at all what it says. It is you are to work out your salvation. You receive salvation as a free gift. Jesus has done everything necessary for you to be saved. When he said on the cross, it is finished, he meant it. It is finished. He's done everything necessary for your salvation. The Bible says that it is by grace, God's gift, that you are saved And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God and is not by works so that none of us can boast and brag that we did anything to earn it. And so it doesn't say to work for your salvation, but it does say to work out your salvation. What does that mean? It means you live out your salvation. You live out being a new creation in Jesus Christ. You live out this Christian life and the life of Christ in you. And as you do that, did you notice? God is working in you to will and to act. In other words, He's giving you both the desire 
and the ability to do what he's called you to do. And so you're not in this alone. You're working out your salvation. You're living out this Christian life. And as you're doing that, God is working in you to give you the desire and the ability to live a godly life according to his purpose for you. You are not without what you need. You may feel like it some days, but you are not. Well, how do I know that? I know that because God's word tells us that. Peter says in 2 Peter 1, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. God has given us everything we need through His divine power. Everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need to live each day and to live each day in His will. We have what we need. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it wonderful to know that God is not leaving us without the resources? He hasn't called us to live this life and then not given us the desire or the ability to do that? Well, what is God's desire for us? Certainly, God wants each of us to be conformed into the likeness of His Son. God wants us to be like Jesus. Is that important? Absolutely. In fact, it was so important that we actually wrote it into the vision statement of our church. In other words, what it is that we want for your life, that vision of who you could be in Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and put a copy of the vision statement right up here. Here's our vision statement. Very simply, Grace Fellowship is a community of faith where each person believes in Jesus Christ and has a growing faith. That's certainly the beginning and then the ongoing belief and growing in that. Belongs to a grace group and is connected with other believers because we value community. We value that authentic community where growth really gets supercharged. But also, notice this, and becomes more like Jesus daily in attitude and action. Becomes more like Jesus daily in attitude and action. Now, where does that come from? It comes straight from Scripture. Our desire for you is the same as God's desire for you, which is really convenient. And that is to see you becoming more like Jesus daily in your attitude and your action. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 10 to 16. Would you stand with me as we honor God and the reading of His true and holy word? I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Heavenly Father, let us come alive to your word so that we might hear it, receive it, and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul said that he knew where he was going. And since he compared the Christian life to a 
a race, it's always good to know where you're going. It's always good to have a a destination, a course in mind. As a matter of fact, we saw in Hebrews chapter 12, there's a course marked out for us. We don't have to create it. We don't have to think it up. God has a purpose. God has a plan for our lives. And Paul knew that ultimately his purpose was to know Christ and to be more like him in every aspect of that knowing. He was determined not to stray from the course, not to run off and do his own thing, but to stay the course, to keep his eyes fixed on the prize, as we read in Hebrews chapter 12. It was his purpose to keep his focus on Jesus, to keep running, straining forward, pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus had taken hold of him. It is critical that we know where we're going, that we have a sense of purpose and meaning and direction in our lives. I got to tell you, there was a time in my life where I didn't have that. Once it became crystal clear, God's call on my life, it didn't make everything perfect. It didn't take all the problems and obstacles out of my way. But knowing where you're going, knowing the path that God has for you, makes all the difference in the world. We don't want to be like Alice and Lewis Carroll's Adventures in Wonderland. There's an episode in there between Alice and the Cheshire Cat. I want to share it with you because I think it really speaks to what we're talking about here. Alice says to the cat, Would you please tell me which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an afterthought. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat, if you only walk long enough. Do you see the conversation? Just trying to get somewhere in life. Just trying to go to some destination. Well, you know what? It really doesn't matter which route you go if that's your aim. Any direction will do. Any path is fine. But if your prize is to fall into the arms of Jesus at the end of this life, then it does matter the course you take. It does matter the path you travel. It does matter the route that you are on. This is what Paul said about his own life. I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. What a statement of purpose. I'm not going to spend my life running in circles. I'm not going to run around like a chicken with his head cut off. I've got a sense of direction, purpose, meaning in my life, and I'm going to follow it. I'm not going to be just beating the air like I'm shadow boxing. I've got a purpose. I've got something to fight for. I've got something to live for, and I'm going to live according to that purpose. And in Paul's, Paul's own words, his purpose is to know Christ. And in doing so, to become more like him. So what I want us to consider this morning for a few minutes is how we can have this same purpose in our lives. How can you and I embrace this purpose that Paul has put out before us of knowing Christ and becoming more like him, being conformed into the likeness of Jesus? How can you and I have the same kind of purpose that drives us? How can you and I run with purpose? And I want to suggest three things to you this morning. First of all, determine to run the race. It begins 
with a decision that you make, a commitment that you make to God. God, I'm no longer content to sit around on the sidelines when you called me to run the race. A few years ago, I issued a challenge in another church to get off the pew and to get on with what God's calling you to do. And there were many people that answered that challenge. I have one person in mind who said, this spoke to me and it changed my life. Not because I said it as pastor, but because God said it through me. There's so many of you who are sitting out here right now whose only connection with church is not sitting right here right now. That you are the church 24-7. That you are investing your lives and sharing Jesus in both your actions and your words. You're not content to sit on the sidelines or to mill, around, uh, mill about around the, the, the water cooler. You want to be in the game. You want to be running the race. You want to be fully engaged in the call of Christ in your life. Someone has once defined Monday night football as 22 million people badly in need of exercise, watching 22 men badly in need of Gatorade. Churches can be like that. The old 80-20 rule should never apply in the life of the church, but so often it does. 80% of what is accomplished is done by 20% of the members. Now, I don't know exactly what our statistics would be. I think we would do a little better than that, but shouldn't it be that 100% are doing 100%? Shouldn't that be the call of God on our lives, that each of us be engaged in what God's called us to do? You see, spiritual maturity, spiritual growth is is not optional. It's not a take-it-or-leave-it kind of thing, or it wasn't designed to be that way. Paul's desire, remember, is that each of us would be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's God's desire for us. That's my desire for you and for my children and for my wife and for myself, that I be conformed more to the likeness of Jesus Christ. And yet, I guess we can opt out of it and say, I'm pretty happy the way I am. I can hang around here on the sidelines. I don't need to get out here and run this race and be diligent about following Christ in my life. Each of us is called to run the race. None of us is called to hang around the sidelines. We're called to fulfill the mission that God has for us, the purpose that God has for our lives, to serve others, to share Jesus. You go, but wait a minute, Pastor. I don't know God's purpose for my life. I don't know what it is that God has called me to. Now, I want to mention something here because there are some special purposes that God has for our lives. God called me to pastor. That is a special, unique call that God gave to me. God didn't call every one of you to pastor. God called some of you in other areas of your lives, in areas of business, in areas of being a stay-at-home mother. God's called each of you in different areas of your life. You want to fulfill that special, unique calling. But we need to understand that you, you may not have found, this is my sweet spot, this is where God's calling me yet, in the specific calling of, in the area of my life. But God has an overall calling for us that we don't need to debate about. And that is to know Christ and to become more like Him. Now you may not know what God's vocational call is for your life. You may not know what God wants to do with you after you retire. But you do know this. He wants you to know His Son and to be more like Him. That is not even debatable. It is clearly revealed in Scripture that that is the purpose, the call in your life. 
We get so focused on the minutia over here. God, God, show me, show me, show me what it is that you want me to do with my life. Show me the, the plan that you have for my life, the purpose you have with my life. And God is over here going, listen, why don't you do this that I've revealed to you already first? Then I might be able to trust you with that. If you're not willing to embrace the call to know my son and to grow to be like him, why should I tell you what I want you to do with your vocation? Why should I tell you what I want you to do with your career? Why should I tell you what I want you to do with my retirement, in your retirement? Do what I've called you to do right now, what you know to do right now. Pursue that with a passion. Then I can make clear to you what I have in store and a special unique call in your life. And so... The first thing we've got to do is to make that decision. We have to determine to run the race. The second thing that we must do, if we're going to run with the same purpose that Paul had, is to determine to know Christ and His will. First of all, okay, God, I'm willing to run the race. I'm here at the starting blocks. I'm ready to run, but this is the direction I'm going. To know Christ and to know His will so that I can be conformed in that way. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything is lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Listen, typically losing things is not, a, is not good. Anybody hunt for their keys this morning because they couldn't find them to come here? Losing your keys is just not, not a good thing. Losing your money, losing your wallet is not a good thing. Typically losing things is not good. Here Paul says, listen, I've considered all things as loss. I put it all behind me. I've left it all here because it's more important that I know Christ. Are you seeing again this passion, this direction, this purpose in his life to know Christ, to know him, to know him, to know him? so that I can be like him. I'm not going to let anything stand in my way. I'm not going to let anything weigh me down. I'm not going to let any sin trip me up because I want to know Christ and be like him. You and I cannot afford spiritual laziness. The world cannot afford spiritual laziness on our part. I don't want to pick on anybody, but if you truly expect to grow spiritually, to know Christ and to become more like Christ by showing up for an hour a week on Sunday, it's a good start, but you're not going to experience the growth that you could experience and that God has in store for you just by showing up on Sunday morning once a week. The church is called to create an environment to help you to grow, to find your purpose, to fulfill that purpose. The church is called to do that. But if you never, on your own, are willing to open God's Word and say, Okay, God, what is it that you have to say to me? If you're never willing, on your own, without the prompting of a pastor or a Bible study leader, to, to pray on your own, you're forfeiting knowing Christ in a deep, intimate kind of way. You're giving some of that up. You must open God's Word and read it on your own. You say, but sometimes I don't understand what I read. You're in good company. Sometimes I don't understand what I read. But what you do understand will change your life. Plus, you've got a partner in all this. 
The Holy Spirit, whom God gave you at the moment you became a believer, the Holy Spirit indwells you, will guide you into all truth. That's his role, to guide you into that truth. He will make his word known to you. He will unveil what is hidden to you. Plus, there's no excuse in this day and time. With all the resources that we have and all the opportunities that we have, there's no excuse for us not to know His Word. It's available for us. But do we avail ourselves of that opportunity to know Christ in that way? You've got to take time in your life to pray. You say, but pastor, you don't understand how busy my life is. From dawn to to dusk, I'm working, I'm I get up, I drive. It's it's just such a complicated thing in my life to find time to pray. Let me suggest something to you. It'd all be great if we could get up and spend an hour every morning studying the Bible and praying. You say, well, I just don't have that kind of time. Do you have five minutes? Hey, it's a place to start. And then you know what? You can talk to God and listen to God all through your day, taking many sabbaticals from your day say okay god i'm stressed i'm taxed i just want to spend a few minutes with you during lunchtime in the evening praying with your family praying with your kids praying with your grandkids before you go to bed at night instead of watching you know three or four hours of television before you go to bed taking a little time out of that to spend some time with god if it's important Shouldn't we do it? Shouldn't we adapt this, adopt this attitude of Paul that I'm counting all these other things as loss when compared to knowing the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ? You've got to seek opportunities to serve. I've compared the Christian life to, um, to the Dead Sea so often when we attempt to, to you know, have all this stuff pouring into our lives, but we never have an outlet where we pour out. And that's the reason the Dead Sea is dead, because it has all this fresh water pouring into it, all this life-giving water pouring into it, but it sits there and it stagnates because it's got nothing to release it to. Go up, up, go up the Jordan River and you find the Sea of Galilee teeming with life. Why? Because that same fresh water pours into the Sea of Galilee, but it's got an outlet to flow out. If you and I really want to grow and mature and become more like Christ, then we need an outlet. We need to be serving others and we need to be sharing Christ. In that outlet, it helps us to grow. If nothing else, because we have to depend on Him. We have to cling to Him. i got to tell you, the first time I ever went out with the intention of sharing my faith with somebody, I may have been the most devout, prayer-filled person you have ever seen. Probably in my life, I have never been relying on God so much because I was scared to death to take that step to serve Him in that way. It helps us to grow. It spurs us to grow. It helps us to know Christ. Now, we need to know something about knowing Christ. There's an intellectual knowledge. We need that. But there's also a personal experiential knowledge. Fred, do you know your wife? Do you know facts about her? Do you know things about her that nobody else in here knows? Probably so. Well, let's hope so. Each of us knows our husbands and wives in a unique way. We've seen them at their good times. We've seen them at their bad times. But we know them by experience. We have lived with them. We know their passions. We know the things that they're not passionate about. Uh, we, We know lots of things about them because we've gained that knowledge through experience. That's the kind of knowledge we're talking about here. It's not just having a head knowledge, facts about Jesus. 
It's knowing Him personally. And as we come to know Him personally, we become more like Him. Paul told the believers in Galatia that he was working until Christ is formed in you. What an impressive statement. Paul said, here's here's why I'm working so hard with you guys. Because I want to see Christ formed in you. And so if we are going to run this race that we have with purpose, we've got to determine to run the race. We've got to determine to know Christ and to know His will. And finally, we've got to determine to stay the course. We've got to determine to stay the course. You've got lots of options for your life. You've got lots of things vying for your time and your energy and your resources. Some of those you have very little control over. It's just part of life. I found the other day this list of, of things that in a lifetime the America, uh, average American will spend their lives doing. Let me share some of these with you. First of all, it says that you'd spend six months sitting at stoplights. Now, that may be true, not be true if you live here in Greene County. There's just not that many stoplights. Maybe you'll spend six months behind tractors on the highway. I mean, I don't know, but it's a, but you know, here's the average American, six months sitting at stoplights, eight months opening junk mail. Now with email, it may be even worse. Okay. Eight months, a year of your life looking for misplaced objects. For some of you, that is a vast understatement. Two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls, four years of your life doing housework. Some of you felt like you spent four years last week doing housework. Five years waiting in line. Six years eating. (laughs) Nah, I got way more than that. Thirteen years of your life of the average American watching television. How are you going to spend the time that God has given you? I don't know how long that will be, how little or how much God will give you. But can you afford to do what Paul said he wasn't doing? Can you afford to run aimlessly? To fight this fight as if you're just shadow boxing, beating the air? Can you afford to stand on the sidelines when God calls you to be in the race? When God calls you to be engaged? Will you consider the time that God has given you? And will you determine to follow the call he has for your life. Again, you say, but I don't know the specific call. Let's go back. You do know he's called you to know Christ and to be like him. So you can always go back to that. That's that's your default setting. Will you determine to do that? That That is the call of my life, and that's where I'm going. And will you commit yourself to stay the course? There's so many things that are that'll distract me or tempt me to be distracted. There's so many things that'll trip me up. There's so many things that will depress me in this life. But am I determined to stay the course, to keep moving toward that goal of falling into the arms of Jesus Christ, of taking hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me? That purpose, I am determined, leaving all things behind, to pursue it with all my heart and with all my life and with all my strength, to know Christ and to be like Him with each passing day. Are you determined to run your life, run your race, and to live your life with purpose? If you are this morning, then I have some challenges I would like you to consider. The first challenge is this. Receive Christ as Savior. That's where it all begins, folks. 
If you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then you're not in the race. You're not even on the field. Some of you need to begin there. You've got to remember that coming to church is, that's not all there is to it. Just showing up on Sundays, that doesn't, God doesn't check me off and say, okay, if you're here more than you're not, you get into heaven. God calls us into a personal relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And there is an offer, an opportunity for salvation to any who would receive it by faith in His Son. Some of you may need to hear that this morning and respond to that, receiving this gift of salvation that God has so freely given to you and that was so costly to Him. Secondly, become a part of His family, the church. You need to be a part of the life of the body of Christ. You need to be connected. You don't need to be a dismembered body part laying around out here. God calls us to be a part of the body. And for some of you, you've been for a long time just kind of, you know, I'm not really connected, I'm not really belonging, I'm not really a part of it. I just got to tell you, you can do that and you're not going to lose your salvation. But God says that if you really want to grow, you need to be part of the body. Third, connect to a grace group that can help you grow. And I'm going to expand this. I believe in grace groups because they not only teach biblical truth, but they also build up relationships and call you to serve. It's a wonderful way to be connected. But if you're not ready to take that step, find a Bible study, find a men's group or a women's group where they're studying God's Word together. You need to be growing. You need that stimulation. You need something to, to, to set you on fire. You need to... Jim George always uses the analogy of a coal that gets separated from the fire. And if that coal rolls out from the fire, then what you find is it, it goes from, from being red and white hot to starting to turn gray and then black. But all, if all you do is just move it back towards the fire where it connects with that fire, then that coal lights right back up. And, and maybe in your life that's what you need is a small group of believers that, that can help you stay on fire for Jesus Christ. And then finally... And this is something we can't do for you. Begin to have a quiet time with God on a daily basis. If you need some help with that, we'll help you with that. Devotional material, Bible reading plans, whatever you need. Teaching you how to pray. We'll do whatever we can to help you do this. Because i got to tell you, you can do all those other things. But if you don't have a daily time with God, you're going to short-circuit the growth that could be yours Start small. Some of you started exercise programs and you, I'm going to run 10 miles. Okay, well, you don't even make it on the first day, but you run so far on the first day that you're hurting so bad the next day you won't even get up out of bed. Sometimes we do the same thing. I'm going to have a devotional life and I'm going to spend an hour every morning with God. And guess what happens? That next day you get up and go, man, that was hard. I don't think I can do that. I think I'll just take the day off. And a day off turns into two days off and three days off. You know what I'm saying? You've, exp- you've been there. You've done that. Start off small. God, I'm going to spend five minutes. I'm going to read some from your word. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit in prayer. And spend a, spend a minute listening to you. See if you've got something to say to me. Wouldn't that be a novel thing that God had something to say to us? And then get on with my day. But I'm not going to leave you behind. I'm going to take you with, you with me. And I'm going to be open to what you have to say. And where you're leading me during the day. And I might even write down a little scripture verse from this morning, or a little thought from this morning. Take it with me in my pocket. Open it up and look at it during the day. Okay, God, this is what you said to me this morning. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be elaborate. You don't have to have some fancy notebook. God just wants to spend time with you. 
And if you'll spend time with Him, it'll change your life. It'll change your family. It can change your community. It might even change the world. Our call is to run with purpose. It begins with salvation, but it doesn't end there. You need to be connected to the body of Christ, connected to a small group of believers, and you on your own need to be spending some time with God. Will you this morning determine to live your life, to run your race with purpose?